because God spoke through the prophet to the people of Israel. And the last time Israel heard from God was through the prophet Malachi. Now Malachi, he announced a coming judgment because of the people's continued unrighteousness. This is about 500 years before John and before Luke is written. Now Malachi, he points to the people of Israel, uh, their mistreatment of their wives, uh, their, their marrying pagans, folks who didn't believe in, in the one true God. Uh, he he uh, pointed to their fact that they didn't tithe. He talked about the priests neglecting the temple and not teaching the people the ways of God. Now, now that's, that's a word right there. That's, that's a word that, that Malachi spoke, and it's a word even for us today. We should honor our wives, right? We should, we should not date somebody that we, don't, we shouldn't marry. If they don't love God and honor God and follow Christ, we shouldn't date them because we, we shouldn't marry them. Uh, we should tithe faithfully. We should be generous givers and, and, and faithful, obedient givers. We should tithe faithfully. We should attend to the house of the Lord. We should make, we should make a, a, attending the house of the Lord a priority. And we should preach the truth and we should live it. That is, that's a word from Malachi, but that's a word for us today. That is a word. It was a word for Israel, and it was a word for us today. Honor your wife. Honor God in your dating relationships. Give, give generously. Give faithfully. Attend to the house of the Lord. Follow the word of the Lord. And uh, the, so Malachi gives that, 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 that word from God, and then God goes silent. God goes silent. There are no more words from the Lord. No more does Israel hear a prophet speak from God saying, thus says the Lord. Or do we say otherwise, I will come and strike the land with a curse. Now, of course, Elijah has been gone for several hundred years. But Malachi says, even though Elijah had been gone, he, he had already gone to to be with the Lord, Malachi says that an Elijah would come, and that an Elijah would prepare the way of the Lord, that this Elijah would preach a message that causes heart change. This Elijah would preach a message of repentance. Repentance literally means a change of mind and a change of heart. It means that you change what you believe and you change your affections. Again, repentance means to change what you believe and to change your affections. And when you change your beliefs and you change your affections, your behavior follows. In the context of faith, repentance means to change your mind to agree with what God says and to change your affections to love the things that God loves. And then you change your behavior because your behavior follows your mind and follows your heart. That is repentance. I'm going to change my mind about this. I'm going to change my heart about that. And because I have changed my mind and my heart, my life, my behavior, my actions, my words, my deeds, they change. My behavior follows my belief and my affections. Your behavior follows your belief and your affections. What you believe and what you love is what you act toward. Repentance is changing your belief and your affections, and it changes your behavior. That's repentance. 
Now this will be the message of this Elijah. Repentance will be the result of this Elijah. This will be the word of the Lord that will come. And after 500, almost 500 years, the voice of one crying in the wilderness shows up wearing clothes made of camel hair and eating locusts and wild honey and preaching repentance. The prophet appears. In Hebrew scripture, it was common for the prophet to be linked to the era and the age of the people he spoke to. It was common for the prophet to be identified with the king of that time or the ruler of a specific people. We see it perhaps most famously in Isaiah chapter 6 when the prophet Isaiah is linked and identified with the death of a king who had brought national prosperity when he sought God. But then when he became proud and he ignored the ceremonial law and he entered the temple to burn incense, something that was only a priest could do, there was judgment. This king was Uzziah. And in Isaiah 6, we see the link between Uzziah and the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 6, 1 through 5, it says this, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Seraphim were standing above him. They each had six wings. With two, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they flew, and they called to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. The foundations of the doorway shook at the sound of their voices, and the temple was filled with smoke. And then I said, Elijah says, Woe is me, for I am ruined, because I am a man of unclean lips, and because my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of armies. In the year King Uzziah dies, the word of the Lord came to Isaiah in a vision. This, there is this common connection to the age that identifies the prophet to the time and the people he is to prophesy to. In Luke 3, this Elijah, prophesied by Malachi, shows up as a prophet to the people, announced in a way that harkens back to Isaiah chapter 6. In Luke chapter 3, we're going to be in Luke 3 for a while now, so if you've got your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Luke 3. We're going to start right here in verse 1. This is the prophet showing up. In the 15th year of the reign of Tiberius Caesar, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod was tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip tetrarch of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias tetrarch of Ibeline. And during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, God's word came to John, the son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went into all the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. John, this son of Zechariah, appears. This Elijah that would come to prepare the way from the Lord appears. John is identified here, and he's connected with two kings and two rulers, two kingdoms. He's connected to the kingdom of Rome through Tiberius, Caesar, Pontius Pilate, and Herod. And he's connected to the kingdom of Israel by the priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. Now God is revealing something here about the kingdom shaking that's going to happen through John the baptizing prophet. That's, my, that's become my new name as I've been reading about John the past few days. 
is, is John the baptizing prophet. The Lord would be Lord of all of the kingdoms. That was what was being shown here. The Christ, the Messiah, the Savior, the King, Jesus would be King of all. Jesus would be, a, would, would be for the kingdom of the Gentiles, and he would be for the kingdom of the Hebrews. Both kingdoms would bow at the kingdom of God and his Christ. Jesus would be a Savior for all the people. And John the baptizing prophet is preparing the way for the kingdom of ending promise that the kingdom of Christ will be a kingdom for every nation, tribe, tongue, race. How does this happen? How does John prepare the way for this kingdom of ending? How does John prepare the way for this for this new kingdom, this, this new one who would come in and, and be the one who would who would save all mankind? How did he prepare the way? He prepared the way by preaching a baptism of repentance. A baptism of repentance. What is baptism? Let's pause about baptism for a second. Let me encourage you. If you have not been baptized, or if you have walked away from God openly, since you have been baptized, you need to be baptized again. January 30th, this baptismal pool will be full. We will have a baptism service. What is baptism? Literally, baptism means to immerse, to dip, to plunge into water, to wash, right? So it has the connotation of of taking a piece of cloth and plunging it into a dye and, and, and keeping it there in the dye, immersing it in the dye until that piece of cloth changes color and it takes on the color of the dye, of the water that it was in. Baptism is very, was very much understood by the Greek-speaking people of John's day. It was actually a common practice for the Greeks as a rite or as a ceremonial religious ritual. It was also part of Judaism. It was part of the, the, the Mosaic purification laws. They would have to be washed and cleansed as part of purification. And in John's day, baptism had become a way to confirm Gentiles into Judaism. Say that a Gentile wanted to, wanted to uh, become, become a Jew wanted to follow the, the God of Israel. Well, a way that they would do that during John's day and, and just before John's day is they would be baptized. There would be this ceremonial ritual baptism, and it, would, it was a, a symbol and a sign to their Gentile family and friends that they were following the God of Israel and were, be, were, were becoming a Jew. Here's the deal, though. John was out baptizing, and John was not a priest. John did not, did not have ceremonial authorization from the high priest to baptize anybody. But John did have an authorization from God. Remember John, his parents, Zechariah and Elizabeth, had been childless even into their old age, but God worked a miracle. While still inside his mother's womb, Elizabeth's womb, he had encountered the preborn Christ. Scripture says that he, he, he leaped in his mother's womb. His father was actually a priest. The angel told Zechariah, John's dad, that 
that he would have a son and he was supposed to name him John. And he actually strikes Zechariah speechless until the birth of John. And, and we already talked about that when the pre-born Christ in the womb of Mary, his mother, walked into the room with Elizabeth, that Elizabeth was filled with the Spirit. Then when this boy is born, when John, the baptizing prophet, is born, all the people marvel at what God will do with John. And Zechariah, in Luke chapter 1, verse 76 and 79, Zechariah actually prophesies over the boy. There's more to the prophecy than this, but I want to focus on just a couple of verses here. It says, and you, child, talking to John, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give his people knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins because of our God's merciful compassion. The dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into a way of peace. Here's what, here's what Zechariah is saying. Zechariah is saying that John is actually going to prepare the way of the Lord. Zechariah prophesies over his son that he will be a prophet of the Most High, that he will be John the baptizing prophet, baptizing for repentance. He, he was preaching, John was, that if you want to be ready for the kingdom of God that is coming, you must repent today and be baptized as a sign of your repentance. The baptism of repentance was part of the message of repentance. This message of repentance we see in Luke chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. It says, he went into all of the city. This is John the baptizing prophet Luke is telling us about. He went into all the vicinity of the Jordan, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the words of the prophet Isaiah, a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord, make straight his paths. Every valley will be filled, every mountain will be made low, the crooked will become straight, the rough way smooth, and everyone will see the salvation of God. First, do you see the connection through the prophet Isaiah? Just as God spoke through Isaiah, God was speaking through John. John was saying, get ready, the kingdom of God is coming. He was quoting from the prophet Isaiah. He was saying the, it's, it's the age of fulfillment. It's the age of fulfillment. Every valley is going to be filled. It's going to happen quick. Every mountain will be made low. The proud and the arrogant and the kings and the kingdoms are going to be cut down. The crooked are going to become straight. The, the rough ways are going to become smooth. Everyone is going to see what the prophet said. Everyone will see the salvation of God. Jesus will be for all the people. It is good news for everyone. Jesus even said that if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. Everyone will see the salvation of God. The kingdom of God is coming, John, the baptizing prophet, would say. The kingdom of God is coming. If you want to be a part of the kingdom of God, repent, repent, repent. And he would also say, don't think that your heritage and your history exempt you from repentance. Don't think
think that just your lineage and your line and where you came from exempts you from repentance. In verse 7 of chapter 3 of Luke, he then said to the crowds who came out to be baptized him, brood of vipers. That's one way to, that's one way to, uh, to, to, to grow a church, right? Just start calling everybody a brood of vipers. They come out to be baptized from you, just start calling them names. They come out to hear you preach, just start calling them names. Well, that's what John did. He was a message of repentance. He said, brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Therefore, produce fruit consistent with repentance. And don't start saying to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you that God is able to raise up children for Abraham from these from these stones. The axe is already at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that doesn't produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. This is what jo- this is what John the baptizing prophet says. Judgment begins at the house of God. If you are the people of God, produce evidence. If you are the people of God, produce evidence. You brood of vipers, you serpents, you sons of the serpent. The serpent speaks lies and deceptions and has since the garden. The serpent seeks to convince all who will listen that they are gods themselves. And all the people of Israel who would claim righteousness simply by genetics and not by godliness, John says, your sons of the serpent, repent. And if you don't repent, the axe is already at the root of the tree to cut down every tree that doesn't produce good fruit. Church, hear me. This message of repentance isn't just for the world. This message of repentance is for the church. It's for the people of God. The axe is at the root of the tree. Are we producing fruit of repentance, fruit of righteousness, fruit of the spirit, and fruit of good works? God will raise up a people, and he will cut off a people that aren't really his people. When we are the people of God, not by heritage, heredity, or proximity, we are the people of God by adoption. Repent for the forgiveness of sins. Allow the Father to adopt you by the Spirit. Repent, church. Repentance is practical. Repentance is practical. What does repentance look like? That's what the people wanted to know. If you're going to preach this message of repentance, John, what 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 is what does repentance look like? If we must repent, what do we do? Repentance was and is very much connected to how we treat others. In verse 10 of Luke chapter 3, they say, what then should we do? The crowds were asking him. He replied, the one who has two shirts must share with someone who has none. The one who has food must do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized, and they asked him, teacher, what should we do? And he told them, don't collect any more than what you have been authorized. And some soldiers also questioned, what should we do? And he said to them, don't take money from anyone by force or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. John the baptizing prophet is saying, repentance looks like being generous and not being greedy. 
Repentance looks like not cheating others. Repentance looks like treating everyone with dignity. Repentance looks like not abusing other people to get ahead. Repentance looks like having integrity. Repentance looks like sharing and compassion. Repentance looks like thinking about your fellow man. No matter your social status, your job, your walk of life, don't see others as less worthy of dignity than yourself. Repentance is all wrapped up in our relationship with our fellow man. Repentance is practical. Repentance requires something of us. Repentance requires us to live in light of the goodness and the holiness of God. God is good and God is holy. God does what is good and God is holy. Repentance repentance requires us to live good and holy. Now, here's the, be real, right? The problem is we aren't good and holy on our own. We need a good and holy God to save us and make us good and holy. We need the Lord who John was preparing us to meet. John's baptism was a baptism of faith because it looked forward, listen to this, it looked forward to the one who would come and right all the wrongs, forgive sin, and rescue the captive. John was preaching repent for the kingdom is coming. You can't make yourself righteous, but you can agree with God and repent. Repentance causes us to live as God's people, remember? It's a change of belief and a change of affection which changes behavior. We agree with what God says. We turn our affections toward the things of God. And our behavior then becomes good and holy because we have followed God. As true children of Abraham, we now experience this through faith in Jesus. Repent, church. Repent, sinner. Repent. Let's be clear. A baptism of repentance, a message of repentance, doesn't leave people any options other than to confront their own unrighteousness and to repent or to reject. John experienced this repentance from folks, and he experienced this rejection from folks. John experienced firsthand when this rejection when he was arrested by Herod. He was ultimately, you probably know the story, John, this baptizing prophet, was beheaded by Herod for this message of repentance from sexual sin. Repent, repent, repent. Galatians chapter 5, verses 19 through 21, tells us these are some works of the flesh. They are obvious. If you're practicing these things, repent. Agree with God, set your affections toward God, and your behavior will follow. Repent from these works of the flesh. They're obvious. Sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscuity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar, I warn you about these things as I warned you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. 
If you want to inherit the kingdom of God, repent. Repent. Sexual immorality is any sexual activity outside of God's design for sexuality between one man and one woman for life in marriage. Moral impurity. Promiscuity. Folks fall under that sexual immorality. Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife against one another, jealousy against one another, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions and discord, factions, envy, drunkenness, partying, anything similar. He says, you must repent from those things if you want to inherit the kingdom of God. Repent. Repent and live as the people of God. Repent. Repent. Why? Because a better baptizer is coming. A better baptizer is coming. So, so with all of the people coming to John, and with his powerful preaching, people began to question and say, is John, is John this promised Messiah? Is John this promised Christ? Is John the baptizing prophet? Is he the one? And John is like, no, John, John will have none of it. John, John just says no. In verse 16, in verse 15, it says that the people are waiting expectantly. All of them are questioning in their hearts whether John might be the Messiah. And John answered them all. He said, I baptize you with water, but one is more powerful than I is coming. I am not worthy to untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing shovel is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and gather the wheat into his barn. But the chaff he will burn with fire that never goes out. John is clear. He says, I baptize with water. The Christ will baptize with the Holy Spirit and fire. My baptism is a baptism of repentance of sins. Christ's baptism is a baptism of purification and of judgment. John is not playing around. Repent now. When the Christ comes, he will bring rescue to the righteous and judgment to the wicked. Repent now. The baptism of repentance is necessary, church, unless we repent, unless we turn to God, when God moves in us, we cannot experience this newness of life. So the first type of baptism, this baptism of repentance, is required for the second, more perfect baptism, the baptism of Jesus. They were baptized, Jesus would baptize and we are baptized into Jesus. Jesus would baptize the Holy Spirit. When we are baptized into Jesus, Jesus baptizes us with the fire of the Holy Spirit. John's baptism wasn't incomplete because they were looking forward to something that wasn't yet accomplished. But baptism into Jesus is rooted in the finished work of Jesus' death and resurrection. It's his death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus that makes makes Jesus' baptism possible and makes Jesus' baptism supernatural. While Jesus' baptism begins with repentance, it does not end there. It doesn't end with just changing our minds about sin and agreeing with God that we need Jesus. That's just the beginning of Jesus' baptism. It starts at repentance and continues on 
to a supernatural indwelling of fire, of strength, of equipping, of the Holy Spirit to lead you and guide you and be with you, to point you to Jesus, to glorify Jesus in you, to teach you about Jesus, to keep you in Jesus. It's a supernatural equipping. The same thing that happened in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost and happened in Ephesus on this on another particular day. They spoke in tongues, they prophesied. John's promised baptism wasn't the best or the last baptism, but it was the beginning of a baptism that would come, the baptism of Jesus that would baptize us in the Holy Spirit and fire. Let's not stop, church, at John's baptism. John's baptism is just the beginning because it points us to a greater baptism. It points us to the baptism of and into Christ Jesus. We saw the works of the flesh. We just read them in Galatians. But when we allow Jesus to baptize us into the Spirit, see, when, when we go into the water, we are repenting. We are agreeing with God in, in this baptism of repentance in Christ. When we go into the water, we are agreeing with God. And when we come up out of the water, we, have been, we are being raised to new life with Christ Jesus. We, Jesus is baptizing us into the Spirit, and the Spirit produces fruit in us. The Spirit is in direct, direct contrast to the works of the flesh in Galatians 5. In Galatians 5.22, it says this, But the fruit of the Spirit, in contrast to the works of the flesh that are obvious, the fruit of the Spirit is this, love, joy, peace, patience kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. The law is not against such things. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires, that's repentance. And if we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Listen, church, Jesus is God coming near to us. Repentance is us coming near to God. And here comes Jesus. This fire baptizer gets baptized. In Luke chapter 3, verse 21 and 22, when all the people were baptized, Jesus also was baptized. As he was praying, heaven opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him in a physical appearance like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. All right, so here comes Jesus. To be baptized by John. This is important. Jesus is affirming the preaching and the baptism of John, this baptizing prophet. Jesus is affirming the baptism of repentance. Jesus is coming to John out in the open to say, We must be a people of repentance. We need to repent. Jesus steps onto the scene and steps into the water. And when Jesus comes out of the water, up out of the water from baptism, the Spirit moves into the scene and the Father speaks into the crowd. And Jesus is introduced, declared, and affirmed by the Father, testified by the Spirit to be the Son of God, beloved, pleasing to the Father, the Son of God. The promised one had entered the scene and nothing would ever be the same. The Father, the Son, and the Spirit revealed there in the waters of the Jordan, the eternal Godhead on display in the wilderness. The one God, the three persons, 
the Lord our God is one. Hear, O Israel, hear, O church, the Lord our God is one, and the Lord our God has come. The mission of John, the baptizing prophet, is fulfilled. He hath prepared the way. All flesh shall see the salvation of God. And that day, the salvation of God came up out of the Jordan River, and the Spirit came to him, and the Father affirmed him. The fire baptizer has come. Salvation has arrived. Repent. 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 The kingdom of heaven is here. Repent. 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 His name is Jesus. Repent. 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 Heavenly Father, thank you for your word today. Let us be a people of repentance. Let us be a people of repentance. Lord, we need to repent of anything that is not pleasing to you, that does not line up with your goodness and your holiness. We must repent. And when we come to you in repentance, you hear us, you welcome us, you adopt us as sons and daughters of God. You welcome us as co-heirs with Christ and you fill us with your spirit. Let us turn from our sin. Let us repent. In Jesus' name. This morning, church, if you have elements of communion, your house and you're prepared, I invite you now to get those elements of communion. And in this moment, in this message of repentance, and in this time of communion, make this a time of repentance. And say, God, I repent of my sin. That life I've been living, those things I've been doing, that attitude that I have allowed to foster, that rebellion that I've been walking in, my lack of obedience to you, and I repent. I turn, I, I change my mind about it. I set my affections on you, God, and I repent. And now that I have changed my mind and agree with you and I've set my affections on you, my behavior will then change and to follow after you. I was walking this way, I've changed my mind, I've changed my affections to you, and now I'm walking towards you. And because of the blood of Christ, because of the cross of Christ, my repentance is not empty. My repentance leads to you. It leads to spiritual life. And it leads to newness of life in Christ. On the night, Jesus, that you were betrayed, you took the bread and you broke it. 